Hey, welcome to Reflecting the Light Part 3, our series in the book of John. This year, God has challenged us to love and lead like Jesus. Last year, we talked about being disciples that make disciples. And this year, that kind of follows on that, that the way that we make disciples is by learning to be more like Jesus, to reflect Him, to love like He loved, to care about the things that He cared about, to go against the things that He went against, and to love our community, the people around us. So we're studying John. We just decided to jump into the Gospel of John and see what we can learn from him. Over the last week, we, we learned a little bit more about why John wrote this. This was John, the son of Zebedee, is who most people think wrote this. It wasn't John the Baptist, although we talked about John the Baptist last week. We're going to talk a little bit about him this week. This was John, the disciple that Jesus loved. And he wrote this book later. If you, if you, if you know the Bible at all, the, the New Testament, the first four books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're called the Gospels. They're the story of Jesus. Well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what's known as the synoptic Gospels. I know that's a word that you never need to know again, but basically they share similarities. They share stories and timeline. They're just written from different perspectives. John is completely different. He doesn't go through the genealogies. He doesn't spend all the time that they did in setting all of that up. John wrote this much later, and he wrote it to refute false teachers There was a false teacher around at that time that was claiming that Jesus was this great teacher. He was fully man, but he denied the deity, the God part of Jesus' life. And so John was writing to kind of show the divinity of Jesus, that he was fully God as well as fully man. And so you get things in a little different light. I was reading one of the commentaries, one of the books that kind of Uh, helps us when we study about Scripture, and they were saying that that John wrote with a more dramatic flair to Jesus' life. So his stories look a little different. They don't contradict. They just are written from a different light. So I wanted to put that in the mind as we get ready to jump into John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. This is a rather lengthy passage, and we're going to talk about what we can learn from this. This is Jesus calling the first disciples to him. Again, this is going to look a little bit different than what you see in the Synoptic Gospels because John doesn't do it in the timeline. He doesn't do it in chronological order. So things fall a little bit differently, but the gist is there. So John 1, 35-51 says this. The following day, John was standing with his two disciples. Now this is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was standing with his two disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look! The Lamb of God. When two of John's disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John had said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. 
The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me, Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, Do you believe just because I told you I seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Pretty amazing. You seize the call of some of the disciples. I entitled this message, Come and See, and you'll understand that in just a moment. On Monday this past week, some of you know that I spoke in a Georgia hoodie last Sunday um, because I wanted to represent Georgia. I was excited that they were going into the national championship game against Alabama. Well, on Monday of this past week, I happened to be out of town. I happened to be at a meeting with some missionaries from around the the country. Some of them were from Georgia, some were from Alabama, and some from various other places. And so everybody was wearing their Georgia hats or their Alabama shirts or whatever. And we had a lot of discussion around that. You had the big game and, and we know the outcome. Man, Georgia won. It had been a long, long time since Georgia had won a national championship. So that next morning when we all gathered together, there was a lot of conversation and excitement about the game. Everybody was sharing watching this play and this player and all of the things that were around the game. There was excitement and they wanted to share what they had heard or seen. They were excited about something, so they shared it with all of us around us. That type of excitement that's in our lives causes us to share something. When we get something that's new or something happens in our lives, maybe you have a baby and you want to share all the pictures. Man, if, you've, if you looked at Facebook or Instagram, somebody has a new child, there's pictures plastered everywhere. Their, their son or daughter does something good in sports or at school, they put them up there. Maybe you go on a vacation, you want to share it with around you. What do you get excited about? You share. John the Baptist, we learned last week, baptized Jesus. He was doing it for a couple reasons. He was baptizing, one, because God told him to, and two, to reveal who Jesus was. Remember we talked about obedience and our obedience reflecting the light. That's what we talked about. John the Baptist was called by God to baptize in a time where baptism for Jews was unheard of. You heard me talk about that last week, that for a Jew to be baptized, it didn't make sense. And they were being baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. The only people that were baptized were Gentiles, people that weren't Jewish followers who wanted to become a Jew. They would get baptized. That's what that, that outward appearance. So John was stirring up quite a bit of buzz. People were coming to him. They were getting baptized. There's a lot going on. And he was preparing the way for Jesus to come. He was preparing the way. There was a lot of buzz about it. People were talking about him. The religious leaders were talking about him. Herod was talking about him. Man, John made a lot of buzz and created a lot of excitement. And then John is standing there one day 
and Jesus comes and, and the prophecy that was given to John is the one that has a dove descend and the Holy Spirit descends upon him is the one that I have called the Messiah. And John was baptized, didn't even know who Jesus was, baptized Jesus. The dove came, rested on Jesus, and John knew who he was, the Son of God, the Lamb of God. He called the Lamb of God because he became the sacrifice of God. So when John was standing there with his disciples, he had followers, disciples of his, that helped him baptize, that went with him. When Jesus walked by after that, he said, look, the Lamb of God, the one who's going to take away our sins. And two of those disciples went off and followed after Jesus. They were excited. One of them happened to be Andrew. We don't have the name of the other one. I don't know who the other one was. It could have been one of the other 12 disciples. We don't ever get that information. But he does highlight Andrew. And, and they're following Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, why are you following me? What's going on? And and they said, where are you staying? And he said three words to him, come and see. Twice in this passage that we read, we see the terms come and see. The first time was with Andrew when Jesus said, come and see where I'm staying. And, and Jesus was inviting him to a, a different conversation. And then we see it again with Philip. After he found Jesus, he comes and goes and tells Nathaniel, and Nathaniel questions about who Jesus is, and he says, come and see for yourself. That's what I want to talk about today. See, come and see is an invitation to come and see what's happening, to see what all the excitement's about. Man, if you get really excited about something, and you're telling somebody about it, and they're, they're like, well, I don't know, just say, come and see. Come see for yourself. You've got to experience it for yourself. One of my favorite things in the world to do is to take people on new experiences. Uh, some of you may know my family has loved to cruise for years, and, and we, we just love cruise ships. As a pastor, I think it's the most biblical thing I can do because Jesus would often get in a boat and go off and pray. And so I think it's biblical and I'm making a joke. But really, the thing I loved about cruises is I could totally disconnect. Put the phone down, put everything away, no technology, none of that stuff, and just enjoy being with my family, enjoy being out at sea, something peaceful about it. And there are times when people would ask about the vacations. If you come to our house, we have Apple TV, and we have all the photos of all the different cruises we've taken, and people ask questions about it. And we love to take other people on cruises with us because we want them to come and see and experience what we've experienced, to see it the way we've seen it. That's what come and see means. And so if you're taking notes, my first, and it's really the title of the message, is just come and see. For those that do not have a relationship with Jesus or maybe are trying to find the truth, Jesus is inviting us to come and see. See what he's doing. One writer, I believe it's in the Psalms, said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus invited John's disciples to come and see. So when they're walking with him, it's about four o'clock in the afternoon. In that time, that's about the time everything was closing up. The marketplace was closing up and everything. You didn't have electricity. It was going to be getting dark soon. So all the vendors and everybody started making their way home. And so Jesus was probably inviting them to dinner. Come and see with me. But that was a much bigger invitation. He was coming and saying, come and see who I am. Sit at my table. 
Hear my words. Know that I am who John the Baptist says I am. That was the invitation that Jesus was giving to those disciples. It was to come and see, come to know him, to encounter him. That invitation to come and see. Jesus is asking us that same question. If you don't have a relationship with him, he's saying, come and see who I am. Read my scripture. Look at my followers, those that genuinely follow me. Come and see. That's why we call this whole series Reflecting the Light, because as believers, we reflect the light of Jesus to the world around us. We're inviting them to come and see. That's why I think it's so important that we invite people around a table or out to coffee or wherever so that we can have the opportunity to talk to them, to share with them, for them to see what Jesus has done in our lives, to come and see. Now, for those who encounter Jesus, one of two things happens. They either followed him or they resisted him. There was very few people kind of in the middle. You have those that were broken and hurting and they would see what Jesus was doing. Maybe he healed them or maybe he healed somebody they knew. Maybe they heard him speak. Maybe they saw the love that he had. Just what was going on in his eyes. There was that magnetism of the Holy Spirit in his life that drew people to him. They wanted to come and see him. They wanted to come and hear his words. The religious leaders and those that that were confused, they, they were pushed away. They didn't want to come and see what Jesus was doing. They wanted to come and refute him. They wanted to like trap him. And they were pushing him away. Most of us, when we come to see the truth about Jesus and realize the love and grace that he offers, we long to follow him. We long to be in relationship with him. I know that was me. I was around church for a long time before I ever really truly understood who Jesus was what he meant to my life. I was kind of blind to what was happening. There were some really key people in my life that kept inviting me to come and see, to step through that door, to take and put my guard down and to see who Jesus really is, to study his word, to know him. That invitation to come and see. Jesus was telling the disciples, telling John's disciples, come and see what I'm about. Come and see what I'm about. That's what happens. The natural results of finding something special is to share it with people around you. And that's exactly what happened. That's the second part of this come and see is the disciples, when they they saw who Jesus was, they wanted to go share If you look at verse 41, look at what Andrew did. It says in verse 41, it says, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. He didn't just tell him. He brought him, hey, come and see. Look with me. And Jesus interacts with Simon. And we know that in the timeline, according to the other Gospels, this conversation happens a little later where Jesus tells Peter, he's he or, yeah, well, Simon, that he's going to be Peter. The same Peter that we read about, the same Peter that wrote part of the New Testament. He was called a rock. We love Peter. He was his brother Andrew. 
But what we see is Andrew was telling Peter, come, come and see. We love that. And then I love the next day it said Jesus went and he found Philip. Because Jesus did actually call some people. He looked at Philip and said, come on, come on, follow me. So what did Philip do? He followed him. He followed him. He got excited. So what he did, he said, look, I'm going to go find my friend. And he found his friend Nathaniel. And he said, man, we found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And I love Nathaniel's response. Nazareth? He exclaimed, can anything good come from Nazareth? That could be like saying Cartersville or Alabama. No, I'm just kidding. I won't go into all those things. I won't be mean. But can anything good come from this area? And Philip replied, come and see for yourself. Come and see. Some of you guys know that I, I like to ride motorcycles. I have a group of guys that I ride with on a regular basis, and we take some missions trips. I do one in September. The group we've called, or the website that we have, is called Nazmoto. It's based on this premise, can anything good come from Nazareth? Because people, motorcycles kind of have a weird reputation, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Motorcycles have a weird reputation, right? They, they, sometimes they can be seen as really gruff people, people that aren't, you know, kind of don't follow God, whatever. But we said, can anything good come from Nazareth? We said, come and see. Come and see what we're doing as motorcyclists that love Jesus. We're taking what we love in riding motorcycles and and putting it with the very center of our being following Jesus. And we're wrapping the two together and doing missions trips. That's where we got Nazmoto. That's why I love this passage. Come and see for yourself. Come and see what God is doing. Andrew was excited. Philip was excited. They wanted to share it with the people that they loved. They wanted to share it with the people that were around them. That is part of what I want to hit home today. For those of us as disciples, we're called to reflect the light of Jesus. We're called to invite other people to come and see. That's what we're called to do. If we're a disciple of Christ, if we have Jesus doing some big things in our lives, we naturally want to share what God's done in our life with the people around us. That's going to look different for all of us. It doesn't mean that we walk around with big t-shirts on that, you know, talk about our following Jesus or, you know, all these other things. Those things can be okay. There's nothing wrong with it. But it's more about how we live our lives, that we reflect Jesus every day so that we get the opportunity when somebody sees how we reflect Jesus, they ask us questions. They want to find out why we live our lives the way that we do. We can say, come and see. Let me invite you along this journey, which leads me to my second point today. Are you a fan or a disciple? A fan or a disciple? So what does this have to do with the passage? I'll give you just a second. The problem is most of us are more fans of Jesus than we are disciples of him. We like Jesus, we'll wear the t-shirts, we put the little stickers on our car, we say, yay, Jesus, we love to go to worship events and get all hyped up, but when it comes right down to our lives, we don't let him change us. When things get hard or difficult, we kind of turn away, or we quickly fizzle out, or something distracts us and we get off task because we're really a fan of who Jesus was. We think, oh man, Jesus was really cool, he healed a lot of people, 
He did a lot of great things. I think he's the son of God. I, I, I like what Jesus is about. Yay, God. We're fans. Where a disciple says, look, my life is no longer my own. I want to live for him every day. When we go from being a fan to a disciple, at the very core of who we are, we begin to look like Jesus. We begin to act like Jesus. We begin to reflect Jesus. Not just a veneer or a facade, but an actual reflection of him. Fans are the ones when persecution and difficulties hit fall by the wayside or lose faith. There are a lot of us in the church that have been fans of Jesus for a long time. We show up, we, we come to everything, and, and we, we do all the, the stuff that we're supposed to do, and, but yet when it really comes down to it, we don't spend time with Him. We don't really change our life for him. We don't really reflect who he is. People outside of the church world see us and they don't see us as anything different. They don't see the reflection of Jesus in our lives. The best way I can illustrate this is a passage that I use quite frequently, but I can't get away from it because it speaks so clearly. Some of you have heard in scripture called the parable of the sower. It's in Matthew chapter 13. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Jesus basically tells a story about somebody that goes out and sows seeds, somebody that sows seeds on a hard path. And the seed lays there and birds come and pick up the seeds. And then somebody that, that sows seed in rocky soil and it, it quickly sprouts roots down, but it can't go very deep because of the rocks. And so when difficulties come, you know, it's different than somebody that does thorny soil. It gets choked out, and then you have the good soil that produces a harvest. If you look at Matthew 13, 18, Jesus explains this parable, and this is where I didn't want to read the first part in this. It, it would take too long. You can go back to Matthew 13 and look at it, but I wanted you to hear the explanation. Because the seed is the Word of God. The seed is relationship with Jesus, salvation. It says now in verse 18 of Matthew 13, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. So the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that falls among the thorn represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. The lure of wealth, likes on Facebook or on Instagram, TikTok followers. So no fruit is produced. But the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word, and it produces a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as was planted. Do you see that? The fan. The fan is kind of like the person that the seed falls in the rocky and thorny soil where all of the stuff of this world is bigger weight, takes away what they've learned. They love Jesus. They're like, yeah, Jesus. But they never develop depth. They never take that step into true discipleship. 
unfortunately, I think a large number of people in our church in, in America today fit fan better than they do disciple. I'm not saying that to be down on the church. I'm saying that out of reality. Check your own heart. Check your own thoughts. Are you more of a fan or are you a disciple? Is Jesus at the very core of who you are and what you do? It says that heart right there, even though there's rocks and thorns, you, you pull them out and, and as you grow closer to God, those things get pulled out. As you get more deeply rooted in Him, it says that a harvest that is planted 30, 60, even 100 times as much as was planted. Being a disciple, all of that stuff's going to come against you. Persecution, distractions, all of those things. If we're not disciples and deeply rooted in Him, we're going to get blown away. See, the disciple's one that allows true heart change to happen, to allow the Word of God to grow in their lives. I believe that Paul gives us a great picture in Colossians of what a believer of Christ, a true disciple, looks like. And I want you to read this out of Colossians 3, 12 through 15. I want to give you a picture of a true disciple. It says, Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, making allowances for each other's faults and forgiving anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as we are as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always to be thankful. As disciples, we are compelled to live on mission for Him. We live in community. The church exists because we want community together. Jesus didn't call us to start churches. He called us to make disciples. And when disciples are making disciples, community and church happens. We love and care for one another because we have kindness and gentleness and love and mercy. And even though we're not perfect, even though we still stumble and fall and have rocks and thorns in our lives, we're deeply committed to following Him and to help others come along on that journey. And what happens is we get excited about that community. And so what do we do? We invite others to come and see. The people around us want to know, why do we spend time with people in church? Why do we read our Bible every day? Why won't we do the things that other people are doing? Because we want to reflect Christ. That's the whole part of this. So let me wrap this up with this. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Or are you a fan? Or maybe you don't even have a relationship with Him at all. You can today. Jesus is inviting you to come and see. I'm inviting you to come and see. See how Jesus can change your life. I mean truly change your life. Not just make you a clone or a robot. But take what's inside of you and heal the hurt and pain. Give you peace. And man, give you life abundantly. He is that hope. He can do that for you today. If you need somebody to pray with you, you just click that prayer button. It's really simple to pray and just say, okay, Jesus, I need you in my life. 
please forgive me for how I've lived my life, the sin that's in my life, the ways I've disregarded you. Come in and fill my life today. Maybe you're standing here and you're like, I'm more of a fan than a disciple. I, I, I really, the Holy Spirit's convicting you right now. You, you feel kind of weird inside. That's really the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I hate it. I've listened, I've sat through lots of messages and I felt that feeling like, oh, that's more of who I am than I really care to admit. It doesn't have to be like that. Nothing has to remain this way. Dig deeper into a relationship with Him. Put those roots down deep into Him today. Man, I encourage you, on our YouTube channel, we had a series we did a while back called Growing Deep Roots in Christ. Go back and look at those, that series. It's all about growing roots down in Him. Becoming from a, going from a disciple, or going from a fan to a disciple, not somebody that just loves, like, thinks Jesus is a great guy, but to truly following, to be a disciple of Him. See, I think when we become disciples, we naturally draw other people to us. People are going to be pushed away or drawn to us. That's, that's the bottom line. Because that's what they were for Jesus. As we become like Him, some people are going to be pushed away. Some people are going to be offended just because we're a Christian. Maybe we don't agree with choices that they make or agree with lifestyle. Not that we're condemning them, not that we're yelling at them and telling them how horrible they are, but just that when they see us and they see the reflection of Christ in us, it hurts them. Because they know that's not who they are. We're to live with love and joy and peace. We're to love everybody that's around us, even people that are different than us, even the people that don't like us. We're to love them, not condemn them and shout at them and tell them how awful they are, but to love them. You're going to see as we study Jesus, the, the, the people that Jesus opposed were the religious leaders who thought they had it all figured out. Those were the people that Jesus condemned. Those were the people that Jesus went against. You know who he loved? He loved the broken, the hurting. He loved those that were lost. He loved those that followed him. That's what we're to do. And we're to invite people along on this conversation to come and see. Come and see who Jesus really is. Come walk with me as I walk with Jesus. So today, I want to invite you to make a choice, make a decision. Determine who you're going to be. Are you going to be somebody that resists what God's doing in your life? Are you going to be somebody that just kind of buys the t-shirt and says, yay God, and shows up from time to time? It's like having a good club membership. Or are you going to be a disciple? If you're going to be a disciple, 
man, get ready to hold on for one of the most magnificent rides you'll ever have. And remember that our mission is to love God with everything that we have and to love others, to draw others to Him, to reflect that light. Remember back at the beginning of the series, John 1.1, that He's the light of the world. He came into the darkness to bring light, to bring peace, to bring hope. That's our job. That's what I want to challenge you with today. Let me pray over you. Jesus, I come before you and I ask right now that you would touch the hearts and lives of everybody that's watching this. Lord, if there is somebody that's there that needs to take that step to know you, Lord, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that they would bend their knees before you, that they would, Lord, repent of their sin and ask you into their hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would change them forever from the inside out. Lord, I pray for those that are fans, that maybe they don't realize that they're not fully devoted to you. Lord, I pray that you would move them towards you today. And Lord, I pray that as we grow in our relationship with you, as we get closer to you, that we would reflect you in everything that we do. Give us your boldness. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to see this community changed for you, to love you changes from the inside out. Lord, pull out those weeds, get rid of those rocks, and dig us deep into your soil so that we can reflect you well. Lord, I pray that your hand of grace and mercy will be upon each one of us today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Remember that the chat room will be open for about 15 minutes afterwards. If you need prayer, if you're really wrestling with this, please click that prayer button today. Give us an opportunity to pray with you. We love you, and we're so thankful that you took the time to worship with us today. Have a great week.